This is the Poppin' Kernels Podcast. So grab some salt and butter and settle in for Poppin' Kernels. I feel like we haven't done this in forever. We haven't. We've been away for a while. We're going to talk about that. This is episode two. Meg is here. She's fresh back from Fayetteville. I am here. I'm ready to talk some baseball, ready to pop some kernels. Let's go. Megan is like the biggest Husker baseball fan I've ever met. <laughs> and maybe besides your roommate. Uh, but true. he also works with the true. team. So he's like a part of the team. Right. Shout out to Kyle. Kyle's the best. <laughs> but fresh back from Fayetteville, I had big time FOMO because my roommate was there and Meg was there. So tell me about it. How was it? It was so much fun. We kind of decided to go last minute. I basically told my husband on like Wednesday, I was like, we got to go. I'm gotta like, go. I, I just can't imagine not being there. We have to go. So I started kind of looking at tickets and looking at hotels and I'm like, F it, let's just do it. So, I mean, six and a half hours with basically just him and I in the car wasn't too bad. We made the drive down there and... I'm super proud of this Husker baseball team. I kind of followed a little bit with my roommate and Megan, and then we actually went to a game together. And I think it was like my first Husker baseball game ever, which I'm sad to say that. But you went to every single home game. I think I missed one. I can't remember. I, I might have missed one. That's dedication. I'm super proud of them, too. And I feel like watching them, I don't like to compare things to other sports. And I've, I've been kind of preaching, don't compare Bolt to Scott Frost or Fred Hoiberg. Or like, these are totally different situations. But I think when you look at the team and their motto and the mm-hmm. way they play with the fire and the grit and the hustle, it's like, isn't that what you want? Every team that you follow yep. to be, because that's totally like you just love them because yeah. of the way they play. And I feel like you could feel that you could just feel that sense of like they didn't care truly. And truly. they were just like badasses taking on whatever tasks they had. That's what I want to see in Husker football. And I hope they all were watching because it was inspiring, even not as an athlete. So I would love to see that swag and mojo with the football team and I'm all for comparing sports and Megan is not. (laughs) I'm good. Like, I guess I'm good with it in a way, as long as people can also recognize that you're not comparing apples to apples, right? Yeah. You're comparing apples to oranges. Sure, there's still a fruit, but it's so different. It's so hard to say, you know, to take a roster of this size and in this situation, compare it to a Mm -hmm. roster of this size and in this situation. Also, I always think back to what Darren Erstad said when he left and he said, I will never leave this program unless they ask me to leave, but I won't leave until I feel like it's in a really good spot. And that's that's what he did. I mean, they'd been making regionals fairly regularly. They weren't competing quite like we saw the team do this last weekend. But I mean, he had some ton of talent on that team and we saw it you know in the senior mm-hmm. leadership and those were all his players so it's like you know the state he left the program in is so different yep. than a coach who got fired never really seemed to have a grasp on what Nebraska football meant yeah to the state to with the fans to the players even it's so hard I think for me to just say yeah he should be yeah. where this person is or your argument is just 
comparing them, but also appreciating what they did. I think sometimes it gets lost in the weeds when people start comparing football and baseball, but it's like, no, look how hard these players work and let's appreciate them and gas them up because they're killing it. Yeah, definitely. I posted something on Twitter that I think was one of my most semi-viral, I like to call it like Husker <laughs> viral, viral because it's not like real world viral. And then I just said, don't bring your same old shit on this team because yeah. that's not what this is. Don't compare them to the shortcomings of Nebraska football for the last however many years. Or mm-hmm. I mean, don't put that those bad vibes basically on them. They're outperforming what we thought they would do. And that's all you can ask. Nothing can be fun, right? We can't just accept something for what it is, which was that was an awesome run. We pushed the number one team in the country to their absolute max. And we should be so proud. And there's so much good to come. I think you're right. Also in this episode, we are going to talk with Tori Tyson, Husker alumni softball player and head coach at Howard University. So we're super excited about that. Super excited. Her interview is really good. We recorded it a long time ago. And like Kylie said, we'll tell you kind of where we've been in our lives and what's been going on and why we've been withholding things from (laughs) you. Things from you guys. (laughs) But um, yeah, we're excited. I'm excited for you to hear it. I just want to talk about the Mario episode really quick. We had Mario on a Monday and we were literally getting hyped for Mario to come to the J school. And then Jason was like, okay, let's do it tomorrow at 12. And (laughs) we were in the J, we were here probably till like seven o'clock at night. I think later than that on that Monday night, because we stayed after and edited a little bit, talked and then, yeah. And then we came right back the next morning and And we had Jason. And so it's just kind of crazy because we, we did Tori a few months back but Jason and Mario were like within 12 hours of each Mm -hmm. other and that was like such a whirlwind and we are thankful to so thankful for them yeah to everyone who Tori Mario Jason without them like we wouldn't have had the support that we've had right Um, and you guys would just have to listen to us talk which as fun as it is (laughs) we we know who you really want to hear yes and that's Jason because everyone (laughs) asks about Jason every day daily daily The reason why we started this podcast originally is because, well, before the school project, I reached out to you and I was like, we should start a podcast. We never met in person, but Megan really like holds the ground on Husker football Twitter. I believe that same day that I DM'd you, my brother came up with popping kernels. I want to say that was like over a year ago. Yeah, we really just kind of started talking on Twitter and it was always cool for me to like... I don't know how we started following each other, but Mm -hmm. just to have another female Husker fan that I was like, oh, like I can relate to this person (laughs) and feel like a connection with immediately. So, yeah, when you reached out and said, hey, would you want to do this? I'm like, I have absolutely no experience doing anything like that ever whatsoever. And so, sure. That was kind of just the when it became an idea. And I ended up coming back for school here to get my master's. I had to have a professional project or do like a thesis type paper and that's when I decided I was going to do the podcast for my professional project through school where I also was a graduate assistant so I was helping teach in classes and going to school full-time with the Tori episode she's actually our first episode that we recorded yes 
that's just kind of interesting because you guys are just now getting to hear it, but it also is like the most important conversation we we will have on the podcast this season. As we've recorded different episodes with different people and like like we've said, you guys are just kind of getting to hear some of the first things that we recorded. I think we've learned this shit is not easy. No. The people who do this weekly and do this, you know, as I don't want to say as a job, but as a very regular part of their routine, I am so freaking impressed with what you do because granted, Kylie was a full-time student, a graduate assistant, working part-time job. I have a full-time job, a family, like my kids in sports, like, so just trying to find times to kind of piece together our lives and get and sneak Mm -hmm. stuff in um, was challenging, but it also just very much made me like, wow, we like, I should be so thankful for this opportunity and for this hobby kind of, because it's so fun for me. It's a lot of fun. And yeah, I'm just, I'm glad we decided to do it because it has really been an adventure. We've been talking about it for a long time. And then we finally got the logo, got all these things. And when we started the Twitter, like it just blew up and we've had so much support from everyone. I think the amount of support for Poppin' Kernels blew us both away. Yeah, I for we sure. We didn't expect it. Uh I didn't at even all, know what all. to expect. I yeah. guess I didn't either, but just like <laughs> we were like, oh, yeah, we're going to have to do this real fast. <laughs> yeah. And like Kylie kind of said, when we first started talking about it and started doing it, at that point, it was, okay, yeah, we'll maybe try to do something. Let's start coming up with some ideas. And then when she decided to use it for her project, she had to get all of that turned in and everything kind of presented in a different way yeah. Um, than we were originally going with. Um, I've had to be a little more censored than maybe, <laughs> than maybe I would like. No, I'm super thankful we could do this together because it's all been such a whirlwind and we've all been so busy, but we've had so much support from you guys. And like, I want this to be my full-time job. Uh, I'm looking for a job. PSA, a job at a, a podcast resume podcast resume we could do that it's Um, like a little segment my resume looks fire i'm ready to shoot it off to anyone but anyways do you need to drop your email (laughs) or hit us in the dms okay perfect but dm us if you have a job for kylie yes please i am looking for a job but i want this to be my job like literally we have so much fun doing it and we've had so much support and one thing a lot of people don't know is i'm not from here i'm from vegas and I think that brings a unique side to the podcast, just talking with Megan, who's like born and raised here. And I think we can really do something special in this space because there are no women podcasts like this, especially in Nebraska, especially in Lincoln. So we love you all for the support. Trust me, we are going to try to run 500 miles an hour at giving you the content that you want. Some popping content. We know you're waiting for Jason Peter. That's still to come. Tori Tyson coming up next. Now that we got you guys all caught up on where we've been, what we've been doing, we just want to formally introduce the Tori Tyson part of this episode. Former Husker softball player, head coach at Howard University, and just an all-around badass woman. I respect what she's doing, even just 
following her on Twitter throughout the College World Series and how she uplifts women, specifically women of color. I just want to say, too, that Tori has made me a lot more aware of when I see a picture advertising the mm-hmm. Women's College World Series, or yep. which is the example that she put on, yep. or but anything now that I see, and I'm like, this is very lacking in representation for people that people of color or minorities or or women i'm so much more aware of it just from the one conversation that we had and i think that's really cool and and important and how we learn and how we get to be better Mm -hmm. and how we hold ourselves accountable to be better allies that's one of the things that we asked tori about in the episode so when you guys hear her talk i think you'll i hope that resonates with a lot of people like it did with us yeah I've kind of lived all over this country and been exposed to a lot of culture and different things. And coming back to Nebraska and the things that I hear from my friends of color and just the things that they go through in this state is just really hard for me to even believe it until you like hear about it and open your eyes and heart to what they go through or little things like walking into high V or stuff like that. And it's just made me aware of just really spreading love to everyone. You don't know what they're going through. And I love this conversation that we had with Tori. We are so excited to have Tori Tyson on the show. Tori is a former Husker softball player and now is the head coach at Howard University. Welcome, Tori. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I played softball my whole life growing up, and I always wanted to be a Husker softball player, but I don't quite have the skills. What was it like playing softball at Nebraska? It was everything. I, I'm not going to lie. When they first wrote me, I was like anti. And I remember Ohio State had wrote me. And I was pretty set that I was going to go there. And my dad was like, I'll pay for two visits. And I remember I wasn't even going to take a trip to Nebraska. And I mentioned it to a former football player whose daughter I played softball with. And he was just raving about Nebraska. And I was like, I guess I'll go. So I went to Ohio State first. And I was, like, so sure that I was going to go there. I remember I went to a football game. Trestle was still there. And then I came to Nebraska and not thinking I was going to commit or anything. And I fell in love immediately. I'm pretty sure I committed on my trip. And I enjoyed my time there and playing for Ronda Ravel. And I met some lifelong friends. So, yeah, I, I loved it. And everything worked out like it was supposed to. That's awesome. Ronda Ravel is obviously a Nebraska softball legend. What was it like playing for her? I'll be honest, it was tough. I'm sure on her end, now that I'm a coach, I had to be a headache. Honda was always very nurturing, and I appreciate that about her. I wasn't crazy that kid or anything, and she didn't treat me any less, and she loved me in a way that I don't think I was even prepared to, right? Again, she groomed me, and she gave me an opportunity to be exactly where I'm at. She's still very much still my coach, you know, like, we obviously don't talk about in-game stuff anymore, but we still talk about life. And she's such an important woman in my life and will be for the rest of my life. I love that. And is there anything that you've taken with you and your coaching style that you learned from Rhonda? Just the love on people, um, even when they're down and patience. I, I don't, I have not mastered that at all. She had patience and 
to continue to grow. One thing about Coach Avell is she was always leading and always trying to have peace within herself. So it was very easy to have peace within a program and going and working for other people. That's one thing I think Rhonda did better than most. Is she could sit and evaluate self and continue trying to grow herself. And I think that it made for a peaceful program, right? And you never seen her. And I'm, I mean, now that I'm a coach, I'm like, man, she had to be dealing with a lot behind the scenes. But she just had this piece about her. And for me, I'm trying to find them. She always took time to get her workouts in and yoga or meditation, whatever it was, to find peace within herself before she came and tried to lead a team. And I really, really admire that. And I see the importance in that. Yeah, that's really cool. I feel like the best leaders are definitely people who learn to take care of themselves and kind of value themselves too. Do you currently or did you have any game day rituals or superstitions? So random and like people don't even believe me. I had a few <laughs> couple songs that I had to listen to. And that's why I'm like, I mean, this could go kind of on with our topics later. But like, I had to listen to Kings of Leon, No Sin. Like, it's okay. on fire. Do not ask me why. Those <laughs> two. And then I always had to listen to a Tupac song. So, like, very random playlist. But I always had to have those three. I always had to have a bow in my hair. And I love twirls. I love that. So, what was one of your favorite memories from playing as a Husker? Oh, man. We were playing at the University of Washington. It ended up being one of my, it was my last, like, postseason game, and it was raining. This is before ESPN started giving softball a bunch of coverage, and this is just the kind of woman Ravel was. In the moment, I didn't realize how cool this was. So basically, ESPN was saying, it's our game. We were playing North Dakota State. If we wanted to keep it on TV, we were going to have to basically play well into like almost one in the morning and coach Ravel was basically like absolutely not like we agreed like we're not playing this and she told me Heidi Poland and Julie Bertel to go dive across the park like it's basically like we're not playing like she got wet and we were all in his hand there's pictures of us diving and treating it like a slip and slide and basically saying like we're ending the game like we're not playing and we'll resume in the morning and it was just like really cool. It was a really, really cool moment. I didn't realize like we were basically standing up for like women in our sport and to be a part of it, right? In the moment, I don't think I did not realize how cool it was, but that is something that definitely stands out um, for me for sure. Yeah, I love that. We talked a little bit yesterday before the interview just about, you know, empowering women in sports. And I feel like Rhonda's really done that her whole career here and really taught her players to do that. And that's what you're doing now at Howard. So that's really special to hear that story. And I love hearing something like that. Yeah. Do you have any memories that maybe weren't as positive from your time playing here or being in Nebraska? Besides just getting injured, I mean, during my actual time, there was obviously experiences, just things that I even witnessed. You wish then, like, I wish I had the voice or the platform or felt comfortable having a platform that I did now. But like I said, it, it, the, the larger part of my experience was, was great. But there were just times and moments I wish I could have went back to make it easier for the next girl or the next minority that was to follow. When I sat down to do this project, I knew I wanted to have an open and honest conversation about race and gender. And I wanted to hear a little bit more about your experience as a woman in sports. Yeah, I mean, obviously just different experiences. Like I'm still really close 
with a lot of honestly more male athletes a lot of like of my really good guy friends and it's almost like two different Nebraskas as a as a woman and especially being a black woman I think it was just different expectations and I think that even how well you did right or your star power kind of allotted for different experiences and I know I kind of went over that briefly with you in our conversation but you're essentially protected in the bubble when you are an athlete and a black athlete and it's almost like your blackness isn't a threat the more recognized you are on a bigger stage right you are a threat if if you're not known or seen I think that especially as a woman right as a as a black woman um, it was even harder because I think the black male athletes they were seen more right they're publicized a little mm-hmm. bit more so if you weren't one of the star black athletes, you had to make it known that you weren't a threat a little bit more. And I've seen that really manifest itself, right? Luckily, I was friends with, like, Dominique Kelly at the time, so she was, like, the Lincoln legend. So that, like, avoided some things, but there were times, like, you know, or even just, like, having an attitude, like, having to fight against that stereotype of, like, she, she looks like she has an attitude. Whereas a black man and a black athlete, they could, they could be a shy, like, He's really good. You know, he just doesn't speak. And as a black female athlete, it was like I had to fight against being an angry black woman consistently and kind of fight against that urge or not be threatening. And, you know, even as uh, playing on the team, and I've spoken on this in several podcasts, is that if I had a day that I was extremely focused, right, or I had a, a heavy final speech, which is normal for any student athlete of any color, I have to explain myself because it's like he was angry. Like, you look mad. Mm-hmm. And it's like, can I have a, a bad week? Can I have a stressful week? Can I be stressed without being angry or mad? And, you know, that was something that in hindsight, I wish I would have defended myself against. But instead, I would just, like, take it off the end, right? Like, I would yeah. be called in about that or talk to you. Like, you know, you're making people uncomfortable. They think you're mad. And I had to defend myself against things that any normal any other athlete experiences. I hear you on that. And I can't imagine the pressure as a female black athlete. You know, you're already stressed out through finals and dealing with playing. Yes. You spoke about a story after your playing days here in Lincoln, where you'd had a bad experience with your baby and you were feeding her. Can you tell us that story? Yeah. And this is what I meant by like not being protected in the bubble anymore or if you're not in your Nebraska gear, your blackness could be a threat at any given moment. My daughter's dad played basketball there, and we were, God, what is the street? The movie's off of there, the Chipotle, like, right in that downtown area. We were parked. Skyler was really fussy, and I was breastfeeding her. And, you know, I remember seeing a woman and her kid in a car, a couple, a couple cars down. We were parked. Her dad came back out of the car, and I, I didn't get out of the car, but, like, I put Skyler back in her seat. We start driving again. We're heading home. Then we pulled over again at a gas station by our house. We needed gas anyway, but Skyler was, like, really fussy. I believe she was teething at the time. So I pull her out of her car seat again, and I'm breastfeeding her now at the gas station. And about three cops come pull up, surround our car. And I will never forget, like, honestly, probably one of the mortifying experiences in my life. Cop comes and says that a woman had called the police saying that she was uncomfortable with seeing me breastfeed my daughter and didn't believe that there was a car seat and believed that I was a, oh, God, what was the word used that um, basically I was a threat to my child. This took three cop cars to come. Just for um, feeding your child. 
Yes, and he goes, well, you are breastfeeding her. And I said, yeah, well, I have a teething child, and I am breastfeeding her. And I showed him. I was like, well, here's our car seat. So they're white batting. I legitimately got a child neglect ticket based off this white woman saying she was uncomfortable and didn't know that my daughter had a car seat and believed that she may have been driving around without her car seat. And we had complete proof of it. And I go, so you have no evidence of it. So it's basically her word versus mine. And oh. you're going to give me a child neglect ticket. He goes, well, she's uncomfortable. She followed you guys here. And she was uncomfortable enough to follow you guys. So they basically took her word for it. And again, it was just kind of a reminder that had I been at a sporting event or he'd been in all of his Nebraska stuff and they seen us somewhere breastfeeding Tyler, it would have been beautiful. And like they would have asked for his autograph and it would have been <laughs> right. celebrated. But our blackness without Nebraska stuff was not protected. And it was basically this woman's word versus mine. Police seen nothing. They pulled up to us at a gas station where we were parked and I was breastfeeding. And that's all it took was her word. And luckily for me, I had made a contact with someone who was an attorney in Lincoln and I had given the daughter lessons and they were just good people that didn't see color or seen my color but didn't see my color as a threat and were always really good to me and I called them. But I always think that like, what if I didn't have them? I would have this child neglect ticket with me forever. And I am an amazing mother. But because this woman who was uncomfortable with my blackness and seeing me breastfeeding my daughter, the police were willing to give me a ticket and ruin my life, right? Just off of the strength of her word. See nothing. Just off the strength of her word. And it messed me up for a little bit. I wanted to get out of Nebraska. I was disgusted with Nebraska for months. I believe I moved a couple of months after that. It, it, it was it was sickening, but it was really hard, you know, have played there and spoken so highly. And of course, you don't want to have like a bitter taste, but it was kind of a reminder of my blackness. Like you have to stay aware because this woman didn't know me at all. And I guarantee you, I, I nothing in me makes me doubt that if I was a white woman, she would have came up to me or something like, does your daughter have a car seat? You know, but this mm-hmm. is something that she didn't have a car seat or that my daughter was in need. Like it, 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 it hurt. It hurt and it burned and it stuck with me for a while. It took me a while to just even go back to Nebraska and be comfortable there. My daughter was born in Lincoln. So yeah, that was just a reminder that I was no longer protected by the athletic department and I was just a black woman in Nebraska at that point. Yeah. That story sickens me about Nebraska. I'm sitting here with Chelsea. It breaks my heart to hear that people go through that in Nebraska, especially because you, I, I grew up in Las Vegas and I came here for school and my experience has been nothing but great. And then when I hear stories like this, it just really makes me want to advocate for my friends in the Black community and really bring awareness to things that are happening in in Nebraska because a lot of people think it just doesn't exist because they don't know the stories. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. I do too. Can you tell us how we can be allies for the Black community? I think what you guys are doing, you can't change people's minds, but you can change people's hearts. So I think just creating platforms for African-Americans to tell their stories and protect them from essentially like right when we do it from our own platform, it can get scary. But if it's someone advocating for you, it hits different and you feel more protected 
last couple months have been exhausting, but that has been the best part is my non-black friends choosing an advocate and taking on this war that we battle every day, right? This isn't new. It's just more publicized lately. This being black in America has been a thing, and it's going to be a thing for me every single day. I think continuing to tell these stories that you guys are doing is amazing. For one, you guys are willing to learn because some people, their pride will never allow them to ask questions, but they're watching. Everything they believe they're watching and they're listening. Are they receiving all the time? Absolutely not. But eventually, right, when you hear something enough, you're going to have to tune in, right? And I pray that anyone that is listening to this or does listen to this listens to it with an open heart and the people that need to hear this or receive it will. And I think you have to have peace in knowing that. And I think even for you guys, you're doing what you can and taking a step in the right direction. And anytime you can listen, listen. And I don't think for any of us, no matter our color, we need to do a little bit more listening because how are you growing if you're always talking or if you always have an opinion about something, right? Like how are you receiving somebody else's experience and you can't speak for other people's experience. So I I appreciate you guys allowing me to tell my story and not you trying to, you know, paraphrase it. So I do appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, we love having you on and I I'm just saddened to hear all the things that you have gone through. And I hope that we can be a part of the good change. We talked about the weight of people's words and people can say something to you that sticks with you forever, whether it's positive or negative. And a big part of this fight is just standing with our friends and being an ally and listening. And I want to get better. And I know Megan does too. So we appreciate you coming on here and sharing with us. You told a story recently with you and your sister when you went grocery shopping, how you had some people stick up for you. and Yeah, and this is what I mean is that I think that for some people, and I wish this would happen in Nebraska more, but sometimes like just prejudices and racism isn't out loud, right? Like that woman, she called the police. She didn't come to me and have to have a scene that she learned from. And unfortunately, like the cops didn't, train her that you can't just go and accuse someone of being negligent because of the color of their skin, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So we missed out on the learning lesson. We're on the opposite. I was at home in Corona and my sister and I were shopping and this is in the heat of everything going on. And there's a man with a Trump sticker and, you know, that could have been a scary, especially at the time it was just so heightened, right? Um, You just don't know. And we were walking in, and there was a white man in front of the store just yelling the N-word repeatedly. My sister and I both were just like, man, like, we just didn't want to deal with it. And sometimes you got to pick and choose your battle. Like, why am I going to waste my energy tonight? It wasn't I was wearing anything. I didn't come dressed any kind of way or acting kind of way. We were up, wanted a snack. We decided to go back to the car, and this uh, white man, and it was a white woman, two different um, couples. One man was by herself, the other woman was with her husband, and they both were just like visibly upset, right? Because they've seen how this affected us, right? And us leaving, and I, I know the guy, his heart just looked broken. And it was like he was having to see this for the first time with his own eyes. And I remember yelling at the guy, like, shut up, and you know, like, kind of going off, like, get out of here. And the woman was like, me and my husband will walk you guys in please don't leave. And I walked away saddened, but extremely proud. And I think that everybody in that moment was going to get better because 
sometimes you don't believe racist stuff until you're seeing it and with your own eyes. And when we're saying that there are overt racists out there still, yeah, it's not as overt as maybe it was in our past, but it's still very much out there. It gets annoying trying to convince people of it, right? And so for them to see it and react and advocate for us, I don't know. It, it uplifted me. It made me feel really good, and it let me it let me know that again. These are people who probably don't sit around and talk about it all day, but they've seen it and they acted on it. And that's that's all we're asking is when you see it, act on it, be aware of it. That's advocating, right? And he didn't have to do it. I mean, I re- we drove to the gas station across the street, and the guy with the truck was still ringing this man who's calling us the N word to the point where. He called the police, and we've seen the police like pulling up to remove the guy from the front of the store. So it made me feel really happy, and I was, you know, just uplifted by that experience. Yeah, that's awesome. That gave us both chills. We, Kylie and I, were both sitting here looking at each other with chills and tears in my eyes because I'm a sap like that, and I like to cry at everything. <laughs> so we have a thing that we want to do on our podcast for every guest that we have on, and we have a confession that we're each going to make. I'll let Kylie go first and make her confession. My confession is not that great because we're talking to Tori Tyson and I only played softball through high school, but I will say I didn't have the skills to play at Nebraska, but I did hit three jacks in one game. So I'm kind of proud of that. Oh, I never, ever, ever did that. (laughs) I think Megan's might be a little better. Yeah, my confession is not only do I not have the skills to play sports at Nebraska, but that despite loving sports, I never even played an organized team sport until I was an adult and my husband talked me into doing a co-ed slow pitch league and I am terrible. (laughs) Love it. My confession is that for most of my career, I was afraid to say out loud that I ever wanted to coach at my alma mater just because like I didn't feel like it was ever a possible thing because I had never seen a minority coach and I've seen very few women coach let alone black women coaches so yeah I was afraid to say that up until a few months ago that also gives me the chills I literally have goosebumps just hearing that just in the fact of being a woman in sports it's definitely hard to break through and to hear you say that you were just you couldn't even say that because you didn't think it it was a reality, but until a few months ago. So how, how has that changed your mindset to where you believe that can happen? People are advocating and it was non-black friends. Cause like, I never spoke on it. I honestly was like, that's like, I didn't ever want to work here. Like that's not a dream of mine. Like I wouldn't, I, it, cause it was easier. It was easier to like say it instead of admitting the harsh reality. Like I'm afraid to say it because it feels so out of reach. And I was on a podcast and they were kind of like asking about it because I love Nebraska and I talk about Nebraska all the time. So it just didn't add up, you know, they're like, you don't mm-hmm. have any. And I'm like, at the end of the day, I was afraid of it. And they made me say it out loud. Like it took one time of me saying it out loud. And I felt really good that I did it. And I mean, again, I don't care where I, I know I'm going to end up coaching where I'm supposed to be at. But to not be afraid to say just coaching in Nebraska, like at all, is something that I feel like I could do and want to do. And although I don't see me right on any of the current coaching rosters, I'm not afraid to say that 
I could be one and I'm good enough to be one, you know? So yeah, it was somebody advocating for me and making me say it. So push your friends to say things out loud that they're afraid to say, because that's all it took for me. I love that you feel empowered through other women in sports. Yes, thank you. Thanks for coming on with us. Yeah, no, thank you guys for having me. I'm so glad we could connect. It was awesome hearing you share your story. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you.